Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Detour Life. Detour Life is a game changer for both family law professionals and clients alike. Detour Life is an innovative online program which guides clients to easily input and organize the exhaustive document and financial disclosure process and provides professionals with streamlined and secure case management. In addition, Detour Life has comprehensive client onboarding, a secure document repository, income and expense sync, parenting plan agreement features, and much more. I use Detour Life myself, and honestly, one of my favorite features, and one that my clients love as well, is that they can securely link all of their financial accounts directly to the Detour Life platform so that their information is automatically uploaded and updated as time goes on. So whether you're getting a divorce or are a divorce professional, I urge you to check it out yourself Go to Detour Life, that's D-T-O-U-R dot L-I-F-E, and sign up for their free 14-day trial. Then use code SUSAN20 to get 20% off the cost of subscription. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Relational programming is, is that we've been exposed to something and influenced by something over and over and over and being so vulnerable and so malleable to just absorb that. When I'm talking about relational programming, this starts in childhood. This starts really in infancy. And what takes place is these early interactions with our caregivers sets the stage for how we view relationships, how we view ourselves, how we view the world as a whole. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, listeners. It's Susan. And today I want you to get out a pen and paper because there are so many golden nuggets in today's episode with my special guest, Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick, that I want you to be able to take down each and every one as we go through the episode. Dr. Liz is a licensed professional counselor and she owns two group private practices in Arizona. She's got her doctoral degree in psychology as well as a master's degree in professional counseling. And we are going to dive into something that she calls relational programming. Um, This is therapeutic work that she does, and it it really goes back into your, you know, relationships and your attachment styles, but also how it's impacting your adult relationships and how it might impact your divorce and your life after divorce. So we're going to talk about how your relational programming and perhaps deprogramming can help you navigate a healthy breakup. So I invite you now to listen in as I chat with Dr. Liz. 
So Dr. Liz, thank you so much for joining me today. I am looking forward to diving into this idea of relational programming and maybe a little deprogramming. So first, just thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here to chat with you. Well, and as I mentioned to my listeners in the intro, you know, I found you on Instagram. They know that I, I spend far too much time on Instagram, but honestly, Social media is a place where we can get information across. We really, you know, it's a way that people can get those little, I think you called them nuggets. I have another friend who calls them t-shirt slogans, but you can get, you know, little, little nuggets of gold. Yeah. I call them the golden nuggets as well yes. of information across to people. And, you know, you put out this fantastic content those great nuggets of information. Um, you also have a sense of humor, which is really what draw, drew me in. I love a, <laughs> I love a girl with a sense of humor. Uh, but one of the things that I, you know, I really love that you talk about is is this um, the therapeutic work that you do. You work with a lot of people who are in the throes of relationship issues, which, you know, obviously my listeners are. So let's just talk a little bit about your therapeutic work and who you do work with and what you do. Sure. Yes. So I do, I specialize in relationship work and attachment work. And so um, not to be confused with only doing couples work. So I do a lot of this in the individual uh, context as well. So where somebody is maybe coming in and often coming in because they're struggling with anxiety or depression symptoms of that and don't even realize the direct connection and this correlation it has to the relationships in their life whether romantic or family members or friends um but often these symptoms are coming from dysfunction in those areas and so i focus a lot of my work on relational programming which we'll get into but how that their behaviors and relationship developed um, and then how it's influencing them currently. And so I do couples work as well. So I do relationship work and individual, um, but that is what I specialize in is how does one's attachment, how does the functioning of their relationships influence their current, current daily functioning and mood states? Right. And when you say, I mean, you know, these days it really feels like we're seeing so many people with depression, anxiety. I mean, there's been a real upsurge in that yeah. and it's definitely taking a toll on relationships. But I find it interesting what you're saying is that the relationships are also taking a toll on our mental health. Yes, absolutely. It is all intertwined. And you know, what's so fascinating when you talk about this increase in the symptoms of anxiety and depression, no doubt we've seen this huge increase since the pandemic, right? And what has been so interesting is that the quality of a lot of people's relationships has really come to surface during this time because whether they're isolated, they're stuck together, or maybe not getting enough time together, you know, whatever that is, how the pandemic has shifted the dynamic of the relationship, it has really brought a lot of insights to people about their relational programming. I get asked a lot as a divorce attorney, uh, you know, has the pandemic made divorce go up or are there more divorces because of it? And honestly, and maybe you have an opinion on this. I think I've seen, yes, certainly relationships that were already struggling, struggle more 
under all of the conditions of COVID, but I've also seen the adversity be something that brings people together. So something that people are uh, have managed to take all the difficulties of pandemic and the challenges and it's made their bond stronger. Absolutely. And I've seen both. And I think that this ties into how people relate. And so if somebody has an avoidant attachment style or if somebody is um, feels trapped easily, you know, if all of those things that already exist in a regular dynamic and now they're stuck together all day, every day, that really created um, quite a shift. But I think the other interesting point of that is that um, with the that isolation, like I even talked to couples about maybe they go to start a business together or they both start working from home or there's a lot of things that put them in the same space all the time that I've seen the same outcome from. So I don't know, you know, as a divorce attorney, I'm sure that you have also seen that influence, but I caution couples because when they talk about maybe starting a business together or deciding to work from home together, I caution them that there is such thing as too much time together. I, it makes me think of, um, I called it uh, retirement woes. Yes. I have had more cases than, you know, really sort of, one of the reasons why I think great divorce is actually on the rise because people who had careers or went off and were not together all day, I have seen over and over again in a relatively short period of time that one when one or both retire and they're both at home all day, suddenly that's not the, an ideal situation for the two of them. Absolutely. Because when we talk about the term interdependence, and so this idea of we talk a lot about codependency and and being hyper independent, but the idea of interdependence where you are you and I am me and together we get to be a we. And so that means that we have our own lives and we have our own, we have something to talk about at the end of the day, right? Like something that you don't know about me. Um, And when you're together all day, every day, there's no longer a separate you and me, we just become a blurred we, which um, is is very damaging for the novelty of the relationship, for desire, but also just for boundaries. Um, so there's a lot of things that that influences. You know, I never thought of it that way. Um, it, it totally takes away the conversation of, so honey, how was your day at the dinner table? That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I was mentioning to you as we were getting ready to tape the podcast that, uh, you know, one of the things that you, we're going to talk about today is relational programming. Um, and, you know, if I think about that, I think of all different kinds of, you know, for some reason it brings to mind cults and, you know, and programming or all. But what 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 do you mean by relational programming? You know what, though? That's exactly that's spot on, because really what relational programming is, is that we've been exposed to something and influenced by something over and over and over and being so vulnerable and so malleable to just absorb that right and so when i'm talking about relational programming this starts in childhood this starts really in infancy and what takes place is these early interactions with our caregivers sets the stage for how we view relationships how we view ourselves how we view the world as a whole and so what i mean by this is if you're raised by a caregiver who is um warm and nurturing and attentive Versus a caregiver who is maybe neglectful or aggressive or abusive, 
this is going to set the stage for how we view ourselves, right? Because if, so, if I have a need and somebody's responsive to that, the core belief that is developed is that I am worthy, that, that I matter, that somebody loves and cares about me. Whereas if I have a need and I express that and it's met with, you know, be quiet, shut up, or something even violent, I, I am now learning I'm not important, I'm a burden, and I don't matter. And so when we, that belief that's, and obviously these are two extremes of parenting, right? Then there's what I talk to my clients about a lot is there, there's a lot of covert ways that those negative messages are sent. And so maybe that is just, maybe the parent is present in the home, but they're not, they don't know how to be emotionally present. That's going to ultimately send the same message. And so this foundation of programming is then reaffirmed throughout the lifespan and what we carry with us into adulthood. You know, so it so strikes me about that is that, you know, because I see this all the time. And again, as a divorce attorney for a very long time, I've actually had clients who I've not represent, who I've represented in more than one divorce, right? They've gotten divorced, they go and remarry, and then that relationship also does not work out. And I've had that happen several times. And I've seen a pattern in their spouses that they're very similar personality types that they're drawn to and that they marry. You know, I'm wondering if this might be something that stems from what they experienced in their early years from a caregiver. And that's absolutely right, because the programming, and I describe it as programming a computer. And so where you plug in the wires or where you, I, I don't know how to program a computer, but I would imagine you plug stuff in and you, whatever you do with it, right? And that is then how that computer operates. It's based on what was plugged into it, what was, what parts were put in. And so, yes, that is how the computer is now. It doesn't know any better. That's just how it operates is the way that it was programmed. And so to your point, when we're programmed in a certain way to believe that this is just the way people are. And so if our parents were maybe emotionally neglectful or they were unsafe or chaotic, we just believe this is how relation, we don't know any better. This is what relationships are. And so the brain is designed to seek out what is familiar. And so we continue to do that into adulthood. And so we crave what is familiar. And what's really interesting is when people talk about like butterflies or chemistry, um, those sparks, that is often what we would describe a trauma response. And so the body is actually responding to, oh, I know this, this is familiar, I want more of it. Whether it's toxic or otherwise, the brain just knows it's familiar. And so that's what it seeks out. Oh my gosh. So that's like your, your butterflies could actually be a butterfly with a red flag. Absolutely. And that, that is such a, and I try to caution people to be aware of that because there are some mental health professionals who they just caution fully against. If you get the butterflies, like you should be concerned. And I don't agree because I do think that butterflies and I do believe the chemistry can exist in a healthy way. But when it's when it gets obsessive or when there are red flags or there are cautionary behaviors and you still are like, oh, I want it, I want it, 
that's when we're kind of checking in on, okay, is this a trauma response or is this healthy chemistry? That's a good point. I have this vision in my mind of a butterfly running around, like <laughs> waving this big red flag. Well, um, I have to create that image. <laughs> I was just going to say, be watching the Instagram feed, yes. folks. I suspect you will see it. Um, you know, and so I can see this. And, 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 you know, if you grew up in a perfect household with every possible, you know, uh, attachment, one, you know, parents who supported every single thing, maybe that would then carry you forward into a lifetime of fantastic, perfect, um, adult relationships. I suspect I don't know. You don't know anyone. I know I don't know anyone who has perfect relationships, but so if you're in a relationship and that butterfly had the red flags, but you're in it, would it cause you to stay in that relationship for longer because you think this is what's normal? Yes, and that's exactly right. Because if you don't know any different, it's the idea is just, well, this is just the way it is. This is just relation, the way relationships are. So I just have to make it work. And so you're going to stay stuck in it because you might not know any different. You might stay stuck in it because of your own dysfunctional behaviors, which I caution people to look at all the time, right? All the stuff that, I shouldn't say all, a lot of the stuff that gets posted on social media is about directing that towards how this is happening to you, the narcissist in your life, the abusive people in your life, the toxic um, actions that are happening towards you. But we, to your earlier point, none of us are perfect and we all have our own toxic, unhealthy behaviors. And so- also, the relational programming makes us not know really any different. And so, um, yeah, we can t- we stay stuck in it because we don't know any different. There's also a lot of brain chemistry aspects that lead us to stay stuck in it, such as um, the oxytocin and dopamine release that takes place through sexual activity. You know, there's there are other various components involved, but a big part of it is the programming of this is just what you know, so you stay in it. Hey listeners, just taking a quick break to remind you to go listen to this month's bonus Divorce and Beyond Headlines Roundup episode, where I'm talking about some of the biggest cases that you are seeing in the headlines, not just so that we can talk about what gossip is going on, but so that you can learn some lessons and get some tips from the cases that are in the headlines and in the news. Stay tuned for more top tips from my discussion with Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick on reprogramming your attachment style for better breakups and new relationships. When our partner is maybe being a little more dysfunctional or toxic, it's so easy to point the finger versus really sitting back and thinking, oh, wow, they must feel really scared right now. They must be really hurting right now and really looking deeper of where it's coming from. If you are enjoying this episode, check out last week's episode with Alex Beattie, co-creator of the Divide and Thrive Divorce Organizer, who shares her takeaways for getting organized so that you can tackle your divorce. You need to start thinking in terms of me and not we. So that's a mindset shift that you have to practice because you might feel like, ooh, does that mean I'm trying to set the other person up to fail? Or we come out of this bubble, this we bubble, this family bubble when you're going through divorce. And you do really have to start thinking in terms of me and it's okay to invest in myself. That doesn't mean I'm not trying to bury somebody else. I'm trying to lift myself up and make smart choices. And now we return to today's show. Is there something we should be developing with a little empathy to our partner as well? Because aren't they 
repeating patterns as well? Yes, I actually love that you brought that up. That's a huge part of the work that I do in couples counseling. The first couple sessions are geared towards, we actually do a timeline of each partner. And so we go through their trauma history of full life, for, starting at birth for one. And then I have the partner sit in on that. So they can develop empathy around, oh my gosh, those things happened. Like that is where this is coming from. And then vice versa. And so you're absolutely right. We are all... We are all operating off our adaptive child. We all learn these behaviors to learn how to survive in childhood and it's what we've carried with us. And so a lot of times when our partner is maybe being a little more dysfunctional or toxic, it's so easy to point the finger versus really sitting back and thinking, oh, wow, they must feel really scared right now. They must be really hurting right now and really looking deeper of where it's coming from. You know, you say that, and and by the way, I love that phrase, the adaptive child. I, I mean, th let, you know, that is something that, you know, maybe we should write on our hands while we're going through relationship difficulties because, and I love this exercise and I, I'm, I'm going to, I want to explore it a little bit because it, maybe it's something that clients could do, you know, even just as, as an exercise, if their relationship or their, their feeling, um, the, in order to build a little empathy for their partner to sit down and sort of do that timeline, you know, so do you have them do that? Tell me a little bit more about how you do that. Do you have the, the patient or the client, um, explain what they know about the partner's past in history, or do you bring the partner in to do that? So whoever's timeline we're doing, they're the, they're the main speaker of that session. Okay. So they're going to talk about, you know, I was born into this and I, I asked the questions when you were born, what do you know about the environment? Who was living there? What were their roles? What was their dynamic like? Because in utero, those stressors actually do influence what we then take with us into infancy and forward. And so I asked all those questions about what do you know? And then we talk about, you know, some significant experiences, birth to five, and then we just float forward. And so whoever's giving their timeline is the primary speaker. But what I will often do is kind of like pause them and, and ask the other partner, like, did you hear that? Did you catch that piece of that? What do you think that was like for them? Or what? how do you think that might influence them currently? Um, and so I will then stop and pull the, the other partner in. And that just brings awareness around, okay, so when I go on a work trip and I'm gone for a week, yeah, that might be kind of triggering some abandonment for them. Um, and so that's the whole purpose of it. Yeah, well, and I've, I, it was a therapist who said to me eons ago that awareness is the beginning of everything. Awareness yes. is the start of healing, of understanding, of empathy, and really what you're doing. I wonder how many couples have actually explored that kind of emotional history of their spouse or their partner. Think about what a wonderful exercise that could be right. in bonding and understanding. It doesn't mean you're going to, the relationship might you know, magically be healed, right? but it's a wonderful exercise. Sure. And often with the missing link that I noticed, because I'll have partners who will say, oh yeah, I already knew that. Or, oh yeah, they've told me all that. But do you get it? Do you get the significance and do you get the correlation to the present day behaviors? And so I think that that is when we add that component in, they could do it, certainly do it on their own, but they have to be willing to stop and really assess like, Okay, so how does this still influence them today? How do my behaviors trigger this for them today? So that when they become triggered, it's not so personalized. Like, okay, this doesn't make me a bad guy. This doesn't make me a bad partner. 
It means this is what I reminded them of. And so as long as that component is added in, then yes, I think it can be really beneficial to do either alone or in the therapeutic setting. Um, but there has to be the willingness to assess like, how is it still showing up today? Yeah, well, and I think that's a, a important, important part and something that, gosh, I have so many episodes on the need to look at your own side of the street and clean up your own side of the street. Gosh. You mentioned that earlier. And there has to, in, in the same way that you can create empathy for your partner or at least understanding of what they, they've been through, there has to be a benefit to going through the same exercise for yourself. Yes, and that that because often it's actually easier to have empathy and grace for our partners than it is for ourselves, right? And so you're you're absolutely right when when they can tell their story in front of their partner and in front of a safe third party and they can get validated. That's another big part of what I'm doing during that time is I'm role modeling validation and empathy, reflection, all of these things that I want them to learn for each other. Um, I'm role modeling it for them, but also so that they can receive it for themselves. Cause you're right, when they can see like, oh yeah, that actually was a big deal. That was traumatic. That can be really beneficial to have grace and empathy for yourself. So I would think when we're able to get that insight into you know how our own past and history is affecting our today and, and the choices that we make and what triggers us, um, there has to be a great deal of um, help for us in moving forward, whether that be moving forward in the relationship, because this is a divorce podcast, or moving on beyond the relationship or, or after the relationship. So as it uh, pertains to divorce, where for people right, might, right now who might be thinking, you know, well, I've done this type of work. I realize this relationship isn't working for me. How does this relate into the divorce process? Sure, because the behaviors that came up for us in our relationship are going to come up in our divorce. So the same concerns, the same areas of conflict, the same contentious dynamic is still going to exist. And so this is still valuable to understand your adaptive child, those behaviors, as well as your relational programming as you're going through divorce, because it brings awareness to like, okay, I'm being triggered because of this. And okay, normally I would behave in this way, but I've learned that's not really effective. So I'm going to choose to do it this way. You know, so you can still that awareness that you mentioned earlier, that's still key, even during a breakup, um, especially if you hope to maybe have a breakup that can be healthier or that can be more amicable, which we know is just easier on the entire family dynamic when we can go that route. Yeah, well, and you know, I've talked many times about the level of conflict being a predictor for children having issues beyond the divorce, but also for us, I mean, a, a conflictual divorce process uh, for a process that's already difficult, high levels of conflict, trust me, folks, it, it is a, a what makes a difficult experience truly horrible. And, right. and so having that awareness, you know, one of the things that I see is as a divorce attorney or as a mediator is spouses who understand how to push each other's buttons. Mm. Um, and I would think that this this would have to play into that uh, relational programming. It's where you've picked up what triggers your partner and yep. you start flipping that switch. Um, right. you're, you're missing a step here, people. You're missing that empathy part. 
Right. Right. And I guess checking in on like, and I have my clients ask themselves this all the time. What is the value in that? So whether I, whether it's that we're working on repairing their relationship or that I, I work with a lot of clients as we go through the divorce process, whether they came to me because of that, or as we started work, doing this relationship work, believe it or not, you know, they come in and we're like, okay, let's start working on this. And they recognize I need to leave this relationship. I still believe that that's effective relationship work because we were able to bring to their awareness, this isn't healthy, this isn't good for me and I need to move on. And so as we're doing that, a big a question I have them challenge themselves with is what is the value in this? So what is the value in this conversation? What is the value in sending that text message, sending that email, in setting that boundary, right? Because sometimes boundaries are set just as a form of control versus like this is actually for my safety. Um, and so that is a, you know, something that I challenge people with all the time to really just stop and check in. Like what are going to be the likely outcomes if I do this? And is it actually beneficial or detrimental? Yeah, that I call it the the grace of space or taking that pause. Don't yeah. just fire off that text message. And I like your your way of looking at it. You know, what is the purpose in this? Why why are you doing this? And often, you know, during that difficult process of divorce, it's to flip a switch or tr push a button or trigger somebody. Right. Um, but in the end, what is it you you know what will that really achieve for you? So you yourself. I know, had a healthy divorce. You know, how does this just play into what do you tell your clients if you are working with people either as a couple or individually who are now going to navigate the divorce process? How do you help them use this information to, to have a healthy divorce? I have them be aware of when their buttons are being pushed. So that's a good, that's a good awareness with your, with your programming. Also being aware of what patterns we normally would engage in and choosing to do differently. And then a lot of this information we talk about with the relational programming, when somebody is going through a divorce, it's because we're talking about what does the next relationship look like? So, you know, this one was not healthy. This one was rough on your mental health. How can we prevent that from happening? And so we will pull examples of what's going on during the divorce process of like, Okay, did you catch that? Did you catch their their motivation behind doing that? And did you catch how you responded differently than you maybe would have before the work that we've been doing? And so, I mean, we really, we do pull it into navigating, going through it with their ex, but then also what does that look like as they're looking for their future relationship? That's so important because most, first of all, you must hear this because I hear this as people are going through divorce. I am never getting married or be getting into another relationship again. But folks, guess what? We are somewhat hardwired for companionship and finding a, a mate. Uh, you likely will. And, you know, it, it strikes me that I think one of the, the really important nuggets of this is that although you may have been relationally, relationally uh, programmed, you have the ability to rewire that computer or reprogram that computer, as you were saying. And you yes. can start that during the process of the divorce itself. Yes, and it's an ideal time to start it because this is, emotions are heightened. These are, things are going on that aren't just gonna happen at any other time of your life. You know, this really gives you a good framework to check on, okay, 
How am I reacting to this? How can I do this differently? And so, yeah, that's a great time to do it. And that's the exact reason I use the computer as the analogy is because in the same way that it was originally programmed that way with plugging wires and putting in parts, we can then change the wires and parts and then the computer can then function differently. And so that's the same for us. As, as you mentioned earlier, when we have an awareness around this is our tendency, this is where it came from, we then get to choose to do different. So we then get to take a step back and say, okay, I would normally respond this way. It hasn't been effective. I'm going to try this way this time. And that's all part of the reprogramming. And it's hard and it's tedious and time consuming and does not happen overnight. I tell my clients, I tell interviews like, I am still a work in proce process, progress, both <laughs> as well. Um, I know all this information. I, I identify as a relationship expert and I still regularly come up against my own relational programming, my own triggers, my own negative core beliefs that really tempt me to behave in a certain way. And there has to be a conscious decision not to, which by the way, I'm not always great at, but I am trying. <laughs> I know that feeling. I have yes. to, so you mentioned that the divorce is the best time because things will come up and, and I'm thinking of divorce as like the Petri dish of, you know, fixing your re or relational programming and you're right, right? It is, you're under pressure in this moment in a, in a relationship. And so all the things that you probably need to work on are getting brought to the, the surface here. Completely. So it makes such perfect sense. So one more reason folks to have, you know, some mental health help, get a therapist as you're going through divorce. I have told people for years that even if you are not someone who believes in therapy or thinks that you need therapy, get a therapist while you are going through divorce. There is Absolutely. so much that you can, you can benefit. You yourself had a healthy divorce, but usually I ask my guests at the beginning of an episode <laughs> uh, for their backstory, but here we kind of, you know, have built to that. Um, but I think, you know, what, what, would you say about a healthy divorce from the inside view? Sure. Yes. So my, and my ex-husband is my present day best friend. Like we are, we get along well. He, he was really, and is really my support system. And what's interesting is that when relational programming takes place, we can sometimes seek out the exact opposite of that. Right. So we can, if, especially if our relational programming was, not safe, it was chaotic, it was um, not emotionally attentive, we might try to seek out the opposite. So our behaviors are going to remain the same because that's how we were programmed, but we might wanna like search for this safe place. So he was my safe place for a very, very long time. And I know that that's a big part of why we were able to go through a healthy divorce, but it was also a very conscious effort and very conscious decision of we, so we have a son together and we didn't want to rock his world any more than it was already going to be like inevitably from a divorce. And so we made this decision. We had a lot of open, vulnerable conversations, but I'm not going to lie. We also had a lot of really painful tears on the bathroom floor conversations, right? That this is, he was such a huge part of my life for over half of my life. Um, and so the thought of losing him, not a, as a, only as a husband, just as somebody in my life, I mean, that's all very, was all very painful and overwhelming. And so 
We were able to figure it out though. And I would say that the biggest, my biggest takeaway is that we took it day by day. And so the whole transition process from, you know, me finding somewhere to live, that was emotional and painful. And then my son, the first few weeks of him and going back and forth, that was painful. Um, when we both started dating again, you know, so there, there were multiple really key aspects or um, pivotal moments that took place that we had to choose to like, okay, we're going to work through this in this moment, because if we bring everything else in, it becomes too overwhelming. But if we focus on the present moment and the concern at hand, we were able to navigate through that a lot more effectively. Yeah, the, I, I, you described that so beautifully, um, poignantly, but beautifully. Thank you. I, I thank you for sharing it uh, because I think, you know, I've been through my own divorce and I work with people daily who are going through this process. And one of the things that people always say is that the future is so scary because it's this huge unknown and you're going through this difficult time. You want to get there, but you've got to go through this. And I, I love that tip of just, you know, deal with what your is in the moment. It's almost like AA, right? Where they say one, one day at a time or one step at a time. Yeah. Or one, I think they even say one minute at a time, right? Just get, don't pick up a drink in the next minute. Don't, you know, just deal with each and every moment. And, and you also mentioned the word vulnerable that you went through a divorce and at times you and your former spouse, you know, were vulnerable with each other in a time when most people put up the hardest shell they can possibly pull around themselves. Yes. Yeah, no, that is a great point that, yeah, we allowed each other to see the raw parts even through the divorce. And um, I, I don't want it at all. And, I, you know, I try to put the disclaimer that and everybody has their own unique relationship. And so... So to assert that um, it was a simple process or that this could just, anyone could easy, easily do this. I understand that's not the case. I understand that there are really unhealthy, really toxic, really abusive people out there. And so I do want to put that disclaimer that by no means allow your boundaries to, you know, don't let your boundaries be violated. Don't be a doormat in order to do this. But I also really tell people that you guys loved each other at one point for a reason. You loved and respected each other. You thought really highly of each other at one point. And so there's no reason why you can't continue to do that. But the switch in the perspective has to be is we're just in a different season now. And so I still respect you as a human and I still think you are a great person. But now we got to figure out how to do this in, in this season of life, which is vastly different. Um, but you can carry those feelings of love and respect into the breakup as well. Such a wonderful way to look at it. You, you know, the relationship does not become all bad just because it's yes. no longer the right relationship for one or both of you. Um, and I right. have always said, if it's not the right relationship for one of you, it's not the right relationship for both of you. But I know that's hard for a lot of people. Um, this is just, I mean, this has been wonderful. I think there's so many nuggets in this conversation for people to take away. And I, and I thank you for sharing your experience because I also think that it's very helpful. One of the things I hear from my listeners over and over again is that, it, they love the nuggets, they love the tips, they love the insights, but what they really 
truly need at, at a lot of the time is just to see and hear from someone that made it through and are in there beyond and know that they can get there and that everything's going to be okay. So thank you so much for joining me today, sharing all of these insights and the relational programming and deprogramming that we can do. <laughs> What's the best way? Let everybody know how they can find you, reach out to you and where they can find the Calm, Cool and Connected podcast. My website is evolvecounselingaz.com. I can also be found on Instagram at Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick. And then Calm, Cool, and Connected, we are we air through Cox Communications. And so in some regions, we air as a talk show. And then uh, otherwise, we can be found on all major podcast platforms. I was just listening today. So go listen, everyone. I will put all of the links, as always, in the show notes. And Dr. Liz, thank you really, truly so much. I, I really enjoyed this conversation, and I know it's going to be both helpful and hopeful for my listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.